Prayer is a global phenomenon. Like one of the most common things you'll experience if you travel around the world is that people in every culture, every continent, every country pray. It may be on the decline here in the United States, but around the world, everybody prays. In Muslim countries, you'll hear the call to prayer five times a day. Anyone ever been in a Muslim country and seen the response of people face down offering their prayers to the heavens? In Tibet, you'll find Buddhist prayer wheels being spun to release prayers and mantras into the heavens. Orthodox Jews tuck little prayers into the cracks of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Hospital waiting rooms, people pray. Courthouse galleries, people pray. Classrooms with difficult tests, people pray. Cars, homes, dinner tables, people from all different walks of life pray. Uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says a prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. How do you respond to life when it takes you by surprise? We pray. Gallup took a survey, a poll of Americans around their spiritual habits. And more Americans will admit that they pray than they admit going to church. But prayer is a mystery for many, and it's filled with all sorts of questions. Why do we pray? How do we pray? Who do we pray to? How does prayer work? Why does it seem like prayer sometimes doesn't work? What do I even mean when I say, does prayer work? I came across one particular poll, Gallup poll. They asked Americans this question. Go to the next slide. The question was, which comes closest to your view about God? And the the options were, God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers and can intervene on your behalf. Or God does neither of these. And here are the responses. Again, this was done with Americans. 42% said that God hears and intervenes. 28% said God only hears our prayers, but he doesn't do anything about it. 11% says God does neither. He doesn't hear us or intervene. And 17%, I don't believe in God, according to this poll. And that data was then further broken down by, do you go to church or not? What political party do you have? What's your ideological preference? Uh, It's interesting data, uh, but it all just kind of reminds us that many of us still are left kind of scratching our heads around what is prayer and how does this thing work? But we're not just people in general, and we're not just Americans in general. Um, This is a Christian church. We're a community of Jesus followers who have said yes to following Jesus, and we're inviting other people to follow him too. 
So what does prayer look like for you in your life? Do you pray? Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Do you believe that God can intervene in response to your prayers? I heard this question many years ago, and it made me pause. If God answered 100% of the prayers that you offered, what would be different in the world? So this fall, if you couldn't figure out, we're doing a series on prayer, specifically the Lord's Prayer, which is about the Lord's Prayer. Specifically, the version of the Lord's Prayer that you find in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So if you've been coming to reality at all for the last few years, then you know this, you've experienced it this morning, that at the end of our prayers of the people, every week, this is the prayer we pray as Jesus continues to teach us to pray, and then we together say, Our Father who art in heaven. (laughs) And and I know because I talk to you that you all experience that time differently. And there are many of you that love that. like the saints of old if you read church history that's one of the prayers that we want deep into our bones as a church we want that one to sink in deeply we want that prayer to inform our lives and our community that we do think there's some really rich value in having that every week and as the saying goes there is no formation without repetition So we believe that the Lord's prayer must stamp itself on our prayer life. That's what we're hoping for, actually. Is reorienting to us. It's kind of like jazz. Any jazz musicians in the room? Jazz enjoyers in the room? One of the things that I love about jazz, what most people enjoy about jazz is the freedom and spontaneity of the sound and the music. But if you've ever played jazz before, you know that there actually, uh, there's a basic structure and form. And without the basic structure and form, it just sounds like bad noise but it's the basic structure and form of jazz that allows for the spontaneity and the expression and the beauty of what is being offered up in that 
musical expression. And so in some ways, the the Lord's Prayer becomes some of the the basic structure and form. Because we as a church, we want the fullness of of spontaneity and the freedom of prayer. um, But we want to be formed and shaped about prayer in a Jesus kind of way. Jesus' disciples got three years with Jesus, and they did a lot with Jesus. They experienced a lot with Jesus as a rabbi and a master, learning from the perfect son of God. But if you read the Gospels, not once, not once did the disciples explicitly ask Jesus to teach them how to heal. They never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. They never asked Jesus how to teach or to organize a movement. But after spending a ton of time with Jesus, they did ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And this is how Jesus taught them to pray, with these words. So our hope is that that his stamp would be all over our lives and prayer. So each week, we're going to walk through uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to take it a section at a time, an idea at a time. So it'll take us a few weeks to get through the Lord's Prayer. But first, again, the Lord's Prayer shows up in a biblical context, so I want to give kind of a framework of where this prayer comes out of first before we dive into the lines uh, one at a time. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, verse 5. Here's the context Jesus invites us to pray like a Christian. Here we go, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. So in context, uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This prayer, this teaching, this section is in a greater section called the Sermon on the Mount, probably the single greatest collection of Jesus' teaching in his ministry. And in this next to last chapter on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about acts of devotion, He's talking about acts of religious devotion, practicing your righteousness in front of other people. And so first he starts talking about giving and how you do that or don't do that in front of other people. And then he talks about prayer. I think this is just really helpful. This is some really basic, nothing revolutionary here. This is really basic, but I think this helps set us up well for then when Jesus starts to teach on prayer. First, Jesus teaches us what not to do in prayer. He points out how not to pray. So the first thing he says as he sets up this section is he says, you need not pray like the hypocrites. Next slide. We need not pray like the hypocrites, and what I mean by that is for showy attention. 
That's what he talks about here in verse 5. And in this culture, he calls out uh, there are people who would love to stand out on the corner of the street or in the synagogue where they would gather and they would love to put on a show. And what's funny is that some things don't change (laughs) because that still happens today. Not so much on the street corners, but in places of worship, yeah. In certain homes, yeah. Maybe you've been around them. Maybe you've done it yourself. These people, Jesus says, pray to be seen by others. It's like they get credit for their dramatic presentation or their dramatic words or their tone or their gestures. Some people, when they pray, they sound different. They talk different. They look different. Like, what just happened to you? You were so normal, and then you started praying. Maybe you've heard this before, but the word that Jesus used here when he says don't pray, need not pray like the hypocrites, it's the, the Greek word hupokrites. It's the word that was used to describe the mask that was used by the actors of the day. And that's how they would differentiate characters was by the mask that they put on. Different character, different part, different role, different scene. He says you don't need to pray like an actor changing characters in different scenes. You don't have to pray to make a show. You don't have to pray for attention because praying is not about being seen by others or being impressive to others or gaining validation from others. That's not what prayer is about. Because in this section, verse 6 is key. Verse 6, you can go to the next slide. He reminds us that the Father already sees us. Isn't that what he says in verse 6? He says, the Father who is in secret sees in secret and will reward you. So you don't have to do your prayer in a performative way like the hypocrite. You don't have to pray like a hypocrite and put on the mask and be seen by others because you are already seen by the one who matters most. That really changes how we can engage prayer. Now, I do think some take this verse and concept to say, oh, then I should never, ever pray, and I can only pray in my, quote, prayer closet, only can pray in private, don't let anyone ever hear my voice. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying because Jesus doesn't do that. He prays in public. There's a time for corporate prayer. There's a time for public prayer. I think the key is the motivation here is are you praying for showy showy attention to be seen by others? It's like, you don't have to pray like that. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Pray like a Christian. That's not the only warning, though, from Jesus. He also admonishes that we need not pray like the pagans, the Gentiles, same word. Or, in other words, you don't have to pray with impressive oration. Verse 7, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Jesus says, You don't have to pray like the pagans or the Gentiles. And the key is this this phrase, heaping up empty phrases. It's actually one word in the original language, batalageo. 
which is an onomatopoetic word. It sounds like it means. He's like, don't, you don't have to pray your bada bada prayers. It's something that was prevalent in that ancient pagan culture. It's something that sneaks into American religious culture that you think that your prayer life has to be defined by many words, impressive words, many sounds. Just because you pray a lot of impressive syllables doesn't mean that you are better or more holy or more effective in your prayer life. It's interesting, Jesus says that the hypocrites pray to be seen and the pagans pray to be heard for their many words. But Jesus cuts through that and he breaks it down and he says, you think you have to pray to be seen and you think you have to pray to be heard, but Jesus says the Father already hears you. The Father hears you. You don't have to somehow hype it up. You don't have to somehow be impressive or have big multi-syllabic words to prove a point to God or others. You don't have to reach a word count. It's not about your oration. It's not as though you have to have the magic password, and if you say the secret password, then somehow your bada bada prayers will magically crack the code of heaven, and that God will somehow pay attention or become aware. And I know sometimes I feel that. I'm like, I don't even know how to pray. I need to have the right words, and if I don't get the right words, then it's not going to work, and it's not going to be effective. Jesus is like, hey, guess what? There's no one to impress. The Father who sees in secret sees you. And the Father hears you. And then Jesus adds one more piece to this. I think he ups the ante. And he says, when you pray, you don't even need to dispense information. Next slide. I know I feel that way sometimes when I pray. It's like I have to, I gotta fill God in. Because maybe he's busy running the Middle East or someplace else, maybe these other crises that he's tending to. So I gotta catch him up on all that's happening in my life or in my world that's weighing on my heart. And I gotta dispense the information to get it to God that somehow he'll be aware. I just love Jesus' last line. This is, again, this is right before he launches into the Lord's Prayer, verse 8. David reminds us of this almost every week. And he says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Like, what? He, he already knows? The Father already sees you, and the Father already hears you, and the Father already knows what you need before you ask him. I think these three truths revolutionize prayer. He sees you. Friend, he sees you. He hears you. He already knows what you need before you ask. And I know there's more than one cynic in the room that says, so then why bother? Well, that seems pointless. 
<laughs> he's like, he already sees me, he already hears me, and he knows what I need before I ask him. So like, why am I even doing this thing? <laughs> I don't have to make him see me by my performance, and I don't have to make him hear me by my impressive words, and I don't have to give him any information because he already knows before I ask. May I suggest to you that prayer may be a little different than you think? Or maybe it's because we're more accustomed to praying like hypocrites and pagans than praying like Christians. What is prayer, anyway? (laughs) If it's not about getting his attention, and it's not about oration, and it's not about giving information, then what am I doing when I pray? And I love one author, Ruth Haley Barton's definition of prayer. And she says, simply put, prayer is all the ways in which we communicate and commune with God. I think prayer, I mean, we're very utilitarian, functional, like I need to give them some information to get something done, (laughs) or I need to somehow break through on this thing. And we may understand the communication part of prayer, but we don't understand the communion part of prayer. And then she goes on to add that the fundamental purpose of prayer is to deepen our intimacy with God. And as a church that talks about cultivating intimacy with God, with others, for others. And maybe there's something here for us. Another pastor I know says that prayer is keeping company with God in all of its various forms. Keeping company with God. And yes, it includes like intercession, asking for things, making requests. Like Jesus does in another teaching say, ask, seek, and knock. He does tell stories about the persistent widow. <laughs> like, it's not as though, like, well, then fine, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to sit and be with God. So the, there's a part of this, and there is invitation to ask and seek and knock and talk and engage with God. But there's something different that happens in me when I realize that he actually already needs, he knows what I need before I even ask him. And maybe we need Jesus to take us to school on this. Maybe we need a different model of prayer, a different teacher on prayer, a different invitation to prayer, something that is less about, am I doing it right? Am I performance right? Did I say the right thing? Did I convey the right information? And maybe God is trying to capture something with you to develop in you. communication and communion with him. So he's like, well, don't pray like the hypocrites and don't pray like the, pray like the pagans. I'm saying pray like a Christian. Well, what does that mean then? Let's pray like Jesus. That's why we get to read then and learn from and pray the Lord's Prayer. Because then he says, verse 9, pray then like this. Okay. Now you have my attention, Jesus. And that's where we're going to be the next few weeks. I'm just praying, Jesus, teach me to pray the way you pray.
stamp on our hearts and minds the understanding of who God is and who we are in a way that's in alignment with this. Because I think I've got a long ways to go still to get this deep in my bones. And we're going to do this again, line by line, phrase by phrase, which may frustrate some of us. You're like, come on, get on with it. Can't you get through five verses faster than eight weeks? But all of that which is to come is rooted in these three things. The Father sees you. The Father hears you. The Father knows what you need before you ask. Those three truths change the way I pray. And they make me a lot less anxious in my prayer. They allow me to pray non-anxious prayers. I'm curious as you, as you hear this. What, what would change in your practice of prayer if this was actually true? If you actually believed that the Father sees me and the Father hears me and the Father knows what I need before I even ask. What may be different? That's a live question. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. What would be different? Honesty. Yeah, be more honest. What else? Okay, yeah. Well, let's worry about how I do it. Just, just talk with him. Less what? Hiding. Less hiding. Yeah. More spontaneity. More spontaneity. sense of peace. I think it also depends on how I think the Father views me when he sees me. Mm. It depends on how the Father views me when he sees me. How, how I understand How you understand that to be, yeah. Thank you for I'm sorry? Deeper. Deeper prayer. Yeah. I know for me, um, I'm invited to listen more. Just to speak, yes, but also I can be quiet too and not feel like I've got to rattle through my list. Maybe a greater sense of gratitude. Maybe a willingness to be quiet in his presence. That's why I'm praying for us this week. May we come to discover that the Father sees you and hears you. That he knows your needs before you ask. There are a lot of needs in our community, like real needs, like in this room. And he knows. And I hope our response isn't like, well, but why bother? But say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Because maybe there's something else you want to do here. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his teaching. We thank you, Jesus, that you're not just our instructor, but you're also our savior. 
and in the places where we fail to pray and we pray more like hypocrites and pagans, uh, that your grace abounds there even more. So God, I pray for our community. I pray for the very real longings of our hearts. I pray for the very real needs in our world. God, help us to engage you. Thank you, God, that even here right now, that you hear us, that you see us. That you know us deeply. You know the stuff already before we ask. So would that free us, God? Free us up to engage you well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.